You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, and this episode is sponsored by Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Serious question. Call me old, but is it too much to ask for shoes to be stylish and supportive? Vionic Shoes says no, it's not too much to ask. Vionic's exclusive Viomotion technology is what sets them apart. They began by revolutionizing medical orthotics, and today they continue to use that science to engineer shoes that leave you feeling energized and confident all day with beautiful curated styles for every season. Rich leathers and suede for your workwear favorites, surprisingly supportive boots for on the go, and performance sneakers that keep you moving. I love my Brighton boots so much, and I'm currently eyeing the Kimmy sneaker in tan leather. They look perfect for an everyday casual look while still helping me feel put together, and most importantly, comfortable. I highly recommend Vionic Shoes. Use code 3in30 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at www.vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's code 3in30 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. One-time use only at Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast to help you feel more like yourself within your motherhood. Each 30-minute episode features three actionable takeaways to help you become a more self-assured mom, someone who knows yourself, honors your needs, and loves your people. Listen in to feel encouraged as we learn together how to overcome overwhelm and find more magic in motherhood. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. I'm so glad you're here. How do you feel right now about your home? Do you love it, or does it leave a lot to be desired? It is a natural instinct for human beings to want to create beautiful, meaningful spaces to thrive with their families. But so often, our expectations for how things should look don't match up with the realities of our lives, and that can lead to frustration, sadness, jealousy, and discontent. My guest today is passionate about helping women to create homes that they love, regardless of what their homes aesthetically look like. She cares about beauty, but her definition of beauty goes so much deeper than paint colors and magazine-perfect furniture, and I know you're going to find her perspective freeing and empowering. Carly Thornock is an interior designer and a family life coach who leads the movement for houses infused with brilliant humanity, wonder-filled stories, and deeply rooted relationships. She hosts a podcast called Becoming Home, runs a membership community called Anchored Homies, and does one-on-one design consults for women who are designing homes filled with intention. She's also a mom of three boys, and right now she and her family are living in an RV and pursuing lots of adventures and memories. You'll hear her talk a bit about that and so much more in this episode, so let's jump right in. Here's my conversation with Carly Thornock. Carly, welcome to 3 and 30. I am so excited to talk with you today. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Well, you have a really unique job that you have created for yourself, and you say that you're half family coach, half interior designer. What does that mean? Tell us a little bit about your unique job. Yeah, well, I wanted to be an interior designer or an architect. I love housey things. I know that I'm not alone in this. And so I went to school thinking, yeah, I'm going to do that route. That's where I'm going. It's my passion. And the school that I went to that gave me this full ride scholarship did not have a program at all. They had like two classes about color theory. 
So I decided to not pay for school and figure out something else. So I fell in love with the family sciences, marriage and parenting and relationships and connectedness and communication. And then I went on to study that in graduate school. But my research is different in that it infuses the house. So we've studied how prisons and schools and healthcare centers and nature have impacted people in general on different levels of outcomes. But we've never studied really well how houses affect how families bond and communicate. And so that's what I do. That's so interesting. So how like environment does impact what is happening within that space. It's been studied in public institutions, but it hasn't been well studied for the family and for private and for homes, you're saying. Exactly. Like Disney has a whole team of environmental psychologists that are like, people mostly turn right. So let's put some things here to sell and the most fun rides here. And if they're here, there's too many people here. We'll put a parade that goes this way. So the way we have our environment set up or use our environment can give invitations to the people who interact with it. So that's us in our houses and our families primarily. And if we're being intentional about how we set up these invitations, we can create really cool connective moments. And it doesn't guarantee that your family is going to be exactly how you want it to be. There's always agency and agency trumps, and that's really important. But we can create an invitation, a place where that is easier than otherwise. So now you've married that with your love of interior design and helping women create homes that are not only beautiful, but also are leading to the types of connections and relationships within those homes that they desire for their life. Am I summing that up correctly? That's totally right. Because there's always, always, always a relationship that can be more rooted, that will give beauty so much more flavor and meaning and experience that will leave a lasting impression and actually enhance your connection with the people you love. So we do beauty in a very rooted way. Mm -hmm. Well, I just love this concept. I resonate with it because when we bought our first home about six years ago, we really had not a lot of furnishings or decorations. We were coming out of dental school and residency, and I was excited to decorate this home, but I did not want to just go buy a bunch of knickknacks from Target. I wanted the stuff to have meaning. And that's very much who I am. I look for meaning in everything. And so I kind of started looking for objects to decorate with and ways to decorate that would carry something special to me within them. And then I found your work and I was like, oh my gosh, this woman, this is exactly what she teaches. And you have this concept called the 100 story house. And we're going to dive into that in depth in our takeaways today. But just before we even get to the takeaways to give a little bit of context, what is a 100-story house? I'm flashing back to like elementary school, the Wayside Story series, where there's these towers, these school buildings that are 100 stories high. That's not quite what we're talking about. We're talking about <laughs> having 100 <laughs> stories from your life, from your travels, from your ancestors, from your location geographically in the world. We're talking about infusing 100 stories into your home design to create a house that feels like home. You walk into these places that feel sterile, and it's because it's a target solution. It's a commodity solution. It's the Marriott hotel room that you're like, great, I want this to look crisp and clean, and I don't want to know who was here before me. But our residences are really different and so important that we have things speaking intentionally. And the places that we love to go mm. are the places where we hear the messages that we want to receive. Mm-hmm. 
it's just such a beautiful concept and I can't wait to dive in and hear more. How do we do this? How do we create a 100 story house? So let's start in with your first takeaway. Okay. Takeaway one, stories are king and reality is secondary. And here's what I mean. So I went into my master's program with like all these great research ideas about how we could have a specific color that we paint our walls and then everybody will get along great. And it's just about this formula. It's like A plus B equals C. And if C is a happy family, we need this sofa and this paint on the wall or this backsplash or this whatever, and everything would fall into place. And so I asked all the questions. I did all my data collection and I plugged it into my statistical modeling software and what I found was that your house does kind of directly correlates to how your family functions. But when we put in how you think about your house as like a moderating factor, something that influences the outcome completely, how we think about our houses specifically as moms made everything else go away. Now, what this actually means in English is that it's not actually your house that matters. It's how you think about your house. How we perceive our environment is way more important to what our experience is than the square footage or how many dishes are in the sink or exactly what tile you use on your backsplash or what paint you have on your walls. So with this information, I was like, now what? This is great, but now how can I help people paint their walls? And, and how do I prove what I know to be true that our environment actually affects us? We hear clutter coaches all over the time being like, you need to clean up your crap because that's going to make you happier. It's not actually the stuff that's going to make you happier. It's going to be this process of taking ownership of your life and thinking intentionally about your space, this perception element that makes the difference. I was blown away. I was totally blown away. Mm. So the stories you're telling yourself about your space matter more than the actual reality of your space and where you're living. That's exactly it. And the reason that we know that this is true is because everybody has a different experience in their house. Even when you're living in like a cookie cutter apartment or like two people had the exact same home, you would have completely different experiences because you're two different people. And we think that that's obvious, except we have a story that's playing in our mind that there's a right way. And that if only we would check these few boxes, if only we could get our clutter under control, if only we could have the organizers, if only we could have the professional come in and choose our couches, then we would be happy. Then our kids would thrive. Then there's a perfect toy number that would make them creative. Like it just doesn't work like that. And by letting go of that misconception, we can intentionally perceive better. We can tell ourselves better stories and take control of the element that actually produces the outcome that we want. We can tell ourselves stories about how we're capable and amazing and on top of it and responsible and confident, whatever, like whatever stories we want to tell. This will create the connection, the love, the hosting experiences that we actually are craving. It's the stories. Mm. Yeah. So to make it even more concrete, let's say that there's a mom out there that is frustrated that she hasn't been able to buy a home yet, that she really thought by this point in her life that she would be out of rentals, she would own her own home and have her own space. And so the story that she's telling herself is that she's behind, that she resents this rented space that she's living in, that she's never going to get to a space of her own. You know, I think this is incredibly common. So 
how would you coach a woman who is dissatisfied with what's happening in her life and also in the home she's living in at this time? So Viktor Frankl talks about how between the stimulus and the response, there's a space where we get to make a choice. So Mm -hmm. the first part is always teasing apart those things because so often we think that the stimulus is the choice, that the rental home is the experience. But really, you have your rental home, you have your story about the rental home, and then you have your experience. There are three separate things. So with a mom, and I have felt this way. I mean, right now I live in my RV. Like, I do not have a house. I do not have a stick house that has a roof that has all these flushing toilets. Like, I don't have this. And my story about Mm. that right now is that I've never been freer and I've never loved my life more. And because of that, because of my temporary home situation, plus my story, I have an amazing life. My experience is awesome. Like I can create this for myself. However, I also know that when we first moved into our RV, my husband was telling himself a story of how we can't have a house. And this is embarrassing. We live in a trailer and who are we and what kind of a provider and what kind of parents. And like, there was a few stories going on, but as we worked through and tweaked these stories, that's what changed his experience. We still live in an RV. We still have two bedrooms and 250 Mm -hmm. square feet. So with a rental house, the same is true. This can be the most freeing time of your life because you don't have to worry about home ownership. With home ownership comes a bunch of pros and a bunch Mm -hmm. of cons. There's always two sides to the coin. And if we're ever focused on the side of the coin that makes our experience feel hard or full of shame and shoulds, then we just tweak the coin, flip the coin over and see the positive. This is so much more than just thinking positive and being grateful and doing affirmations. This is a deep commitment to the change that you want to be in your own world. Choosing, choosing, choosing that middle point of Viktor Frankl's trio, right? We want to choose for ourselves. And let the stimuluses be as they are. Mm. That's beautiful. Let's take a quick break to thank this episode's sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. My friends, I so appreciate how this week's guest is teaching about designing our homes to be meaningful and personal to our families. I feel just as passionately about teaching women to design their motherhood around their personal strengths because I know how debilitating outside messaging, comparison, and doom scrolling can be. This is truly one of the reasons I am so grateful to have a trusted counselor in my life. I am a much more emotionally resilient mother and person thanks to therapy. If you want to try meeting with a therapist, I highly recommend BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your unique schedule, done all online. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge, but the important thing is to just get started without overthinking it, and BetterHelp makes that easy with their onboarding questionnaire. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com 3in30 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com 3in30. This podcast is also sponsored by KiwiCo, a monthly subscription box of seriously fun and enriching art and learning projects for kids of all ages. Growing up, I loved singing with my sisters. Around the house for fun, in church, or doing theater performances, it made me feel confident to share my talents this way. KiwiCo believes that every kid is naturally creative and curious, and that hands-on experiences build creative confidence and problem-solving skills that can change the world. My daughter Sally's most recent doodle crate was the handcrafted paper bowls, 
and watching her learn folding techniques and paper mache brought me back to my childhood and using paper mache to make a homemade piñata. Those childhood memories are priceless, and Kiwi Crates makes it so much easier for busy moms. My kids and I have loved Kiwi Crates for years, and I know you will too. Something else that I love about them is that there's no commitment, so you can pause or cancel your subscription anytime. Get your first month free on any crate line at kiwico.com slash 3 in 30. That's your first month free at kiwico.com slash 3 in 30. And what is your second takeaway for us? Second takeaway is that stories don't turn off. We are always making choices. You don't just make a choice when it hits your prefrontal cortex and you're like, now I'm going to make a choice. I decide this. You're choosing all the time. You're choosing to flip over in your bed if your back gets sore. You're choosing to pick up your water bottle and take a swig. Some of these conditioned things that we think aren't choices because they are so automatic for us, they're choices and there's room to rechoose always, always. So if we're not getting the results that we want, we just want to examine the choices that we're making because our stories ultimately are creating our experience. Mm. And how does that truth play into how we create 100 story homes for ourselves? So this goes back to what we have storied, what we have believed to be good or right or beautiful or functional. We have lots of stories about houses that are already underneath the surface. So I could ask you, hey, what's a great house? And you would tell me, you would say, it's an open concept floor plan. It's airy and bright. It's welcoming. It's cozy. It's comfortable. My kids feel like they can bring their friends over. I feel relaxed and like I can bring my friends over. We have all the tools that we need. People tell me this all the time about what a house is. But when we have such a specific viewpoint of what a house is, when our house isn't that, we've told ourselves that we're wrong. We go into this kind of scarcity shaming spiral that isn't really helpful. So we want to back up Mm. and tell different stories. Mm -hmm. When you're creating from default, we feel like we are victims. And when we're creating and telling stories on purpose, we take control as creators. So that's the big difference. Your stories are always going on. And sometimes they're automatic under the Mm -hmm. surface. You don't even know that they exist. And we want to bring those stories in front of our faces Mm -hmm. and ask ourselves to re-choose. Do I like this story? Is this a helpful story? I don't even care if you think it's a true story. If it's not helping you and if it doesn't feel good, it's not worth your time to tell it to yourself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So you mentioned in your outline that you have a sign in your house that says, this is water. Can you tell me more about why you have that sign in your house and what it has to do with this takeaway? Yeah. So when my husband was super sick, he was in the hospital for a really long time. And somebody sent us a video of a commencement address by a man named David Foster Wallace. And he talked about this idea that just like fish in water, sometimes it's hard to see the things that surround us that are the most meaningful things in our lives, our relationships, our choice, essentially. He's he's talking about choice. So when we listened to this, it changed everything. We were in a hospital room. There were beeping monitors. My husband had emesis bags, which are those big, long, crinkly tubes that you, you can use if you're feeling nauseous. And I realized that in this place, there's beauty. In this home of our hospital room, and it was for a long time, we can still have abundance. And this is water. Like this very moment is the life-giving, life-sustaining, surrounding us always wonder and beauty of what being alive means. 
So now I have a sign in my house that says, Mm. this is water to remind myself that everything that I think matters kind of doesn't. And the most important things are the invisible, Mm. life-giving connections that surround me every day. (laughs) And I love that you've turned that experience, that epiphany that you had into a physical item, a decor piece that is in your home to remind you of something that you learned that's meaningful to you and to your family and to your family culture. And I think that really goes back to what we talked about with the infusing your decor with stories. I think that's such a beautiful example of that. Yeah, thanks. I feel like when we can do that, we don't do that with everything in our house. That's going to be exhausting. But if you're feeling like your house is a little Uh ho-hum or if you're feeling uninspired or if you're feeling sad about your house, then this is a way that you can elevate and create meaning with the stuff that you're touching, seeing, experiencing every day. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that leads really well into your third takeaway. So the third takeaway is this, that making decisions from this place of storytelling is simple. And all you have to do is choose a symbol of the story that you want to tell. So choose a symbol. So from this speech that I love by David Foster Wallace, I could have chosen a million symbols to decorate with. I could have had a wall-sized goldfish painted on my entryway because he's talking about the fish swimming through water as being these goldfish, right? So that would have reminded me of that story. Mm -hmm. I could have put little jars of water on all of my windowsills or around my house. And every time I see the jar of water, I think, remember the water. This is water. All of this that surrounds me is what gives me life. I could have taken a phrase, a different phrase from his speech. He had some really, really good ones. I highly suggest looking it up. But if you want to take your story and infuse it into your physical home life, choose something, a color, a statement, a visual representation, an animal, a symbol, whatever it is, and put it in front of your face. This is taking the sticky note on the mirror to the nth degree, where instead of a sticky note on your mirror that says, be kind to my kids, I listen to a story about a mom that was kind to her kids and she was wearing a red sweater. And so now I put on a red sweater every morning to remind myself to be kind to my kids. And I put little red highlights around my house to remind myself to be kind to my kids. It could be anything. But the point is you just Mm want to put something physical and tangible in your home. And I like to think about this as actually this like secret agent operation because it doesn't have to be big and bold. It can be. Everybody asks me about my this is water sign. They're like, what does that mean? And then I say, let me tell you, sit down. Here's some tea. What do you know? You asked me a compelling question. (laughs) But it can be secret just to you. It can be the pulls that you put on the drawers in your bathroom that can remind you of a certain story, a belief that you really want to ingrain into your soul. So think of something from your story, make it into a physical reminder and put it somewhere where you can live with it and fill your space with all of these beautiful reminders of who you want to be. Mm. And I love the idea of having those physical reminders around. I know I shared this when I was a guest on your podcast, Carly, but I have a really special necklace from my grandmother that I have in like a glass shadow box that's on my dresser. And it reminds me of her love and the connection that I still feel to her, even though she's gone. And it's a decor piece that has become something that reminds me of a love story that's bigger and continues on even after death. And so I think weaving in those memorable things we get from our loved ones or phrases and messages that they give us. I've even heard of people getting like phrases from their loved ones tattooed as a reminder Mm -hmm that they will always carry with them. And you can do that in your home as well. You can, and it can go beyond a vinyl sticker too. Yeah. 
And you can do that in any house. You can do that in an RV. You can do that in a rental house, in a home you own, in a small house, in a big house. You can make whatever space you are currently living in into a home by bringing stories into it. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Carly. This has been a beautiful conversation. And if listeners want to learn more from you about the 100-story house concept, where can they get started? Come over to my website. It's carlythornock.com. And I'll send you a free guide about how to set up your own 100-story house. We even have a tracker sheet so you can keep track of your 100 stories, which is so super fun. And after you're done infusing your house with 100 stories, reach out to me. And I'd love to congratulate you personally. Mm. Well, thank you. We'll put the link to that in the show notes. And thank you for sharing all of your wisdom and giving us inspiration to create more connected, rooted homes. We're so grateful to have you on 3 and 30. Thanks for having me. What a fun conversation with so many fresh and empowering ideas on how to think about our homes. It can be so easy to fall into the comparison trap of looking at our friends' homes or homes on social media or in magazines, when really we can find and create beauty right where we are if we carefully choose our stories. By way of recap, here are Carly's three takeaways about how to design beautiful, meaningful, happy homes. First, the stories we tell ourselves about our living environments have more of an impact on our happiness than the actual reality of our living environments. Isn't that wild? Carly discovered this during her in-depth research for her master's thesis on the associations between residential attributes and family functioning. This is such good news because we can't always control exactly what our home environments are like, depending on our current financial situation or our employment situation, but we can control the stories we are telling ourselves about our situation. Easier said than done, I know, and sometimes it's perfectly fine to have a pity party about your home or your life not looking the way you'd like it to. But then ultimately, if we want to be happier, we can start to shift our stories and research shows that it makes a massive difference. Which leads right into our second takeaway, that when we become aware of our stories, we can change our stories. We are always making choices, which means we are always telling ourselves stories, whether or not we are consciously aware of them. It's like the fish who wasn't even aware of the water that was surrounding him and keeping him alive because he was too immersed in it to be able to see it. What stories are we immersed in and which are life-giving and which are not? When we can start to see the stories we are telling ourselves about our homes, we can start to choose whether or not we want to keep them. And third and finally, our home decor can serve as powerful reminders of the stories we want to believe. But how do we do that? We simply choose a visual symbol for the kinds of stories that we want to believe about ourselves, our lives, our children, our relationships, and our homes. And then we can weave that symbol into our home decor as a constant reminder of the stories that we are trying to live. My friend Miranda Anderson from the Live Free Creative podcast is so good at this. She and her husband recently went to Portugal for a significant wedding anniversary. And for her souvenir, she brought home some beautiful white and blue tile that she bought at a local shop in Portugal, and she used it to tile around their fireplace. So now her home is quite literally plastered with a reminder of a beautiful memory she shares with her husband and a reminder of their shared love of adventure and their commitment to each other. Is there a favorite place you visited or lived with your family? Perhaps you could get a framed image or painting of a landmark from that place or even a framed map and display it in your home. Have you inherited a meaningful object from a loved one? Instead of just storing it away in a box, how can you utilize it creatively in your home decor? 
To show you what I mean by that, I actually want to play an excerpt from something that I shared when I was a guest on Carly's podcast a few weeks ago. Her show is called Becoming Home, and I was honored to talk about how I weave some of my unique values and my treasured stories into the decor in my home. Here's an excerpt of me talking about that special necklace that my grandma gave to me. So I have what I think is a pretty unique decor piece in my bedroom. It's like a little glass box. You can open the lid and put something physical, like an artifact in there. And it's on my shelf. But what's in the box is what matters to me. When I was growing up, I was incredibly close to my grandmother. She lived nearby. My mom had cancer pretty much my whole life. She was diagnosed when I was six and she passed away when I was 19. And went in and out of remission. And so my grandmother was often with us. My mom had a bone marrow transplant and was in the hospital for three months when I was little. And my grandmother was there. We lived with her for a time. And just this really close, connected, intimate relationship with both of my grandparents. And Mm. she had this necklace that she wore when I was a little girl that I just loved And it's a silver necklace that she got on one of her trips. I think she got it like in Mexico and it has like a little almost like Aztec looking coin. And I vividly remember as a little girl, like sitting on her lap and touching the necklace and playing with it. And I loved it so much. And I would always ask her about it. And I think she told me when I was like 10 years old or something, when I die, I'll give you this necklace. So my grandmother passed away a few years ago. And she was 90. And my grandpa called and said, you know, grandma had very few things that she actually delineated that needed to go to certain people in her will. And she mentioned this silver necklace. And I don't know what she was talking about, but she mentioned that you are to get this silver necklace. And I knew immediately what necklace (laughs) my grandpa was talking about, even though my grandma hadn't worn it in years, even though I hadn't thought about it in probably over 25 years, I knew immediately the necklace that he was talking about and could go to their home and pick it out. And it meant so much to me that my grandma loved me that individually. I mean, she had 15 grandkids or something that she remembered that I loved that necklace, that she promised a 10-year-old girl that I could have this. And then I'm almost 40 now. And she remembered and gave me this necklace. So the necklace is not like my style now, you know, I'm not going to wear it every day, but I love that it's displayed in my home in this little glass box. It's not just like in a jewelry box shoved away somewhere. It's part of my decor in my bedroom. And I have a little picture of my grandparents next to it as a reminder of this deep relationship that I had with them and this love that we shared. I miss my grandma and I love that I have a tangible reminder of her love for me on a shelf that I see pretty much every day. It's this kind of intentional decorating that can make our homes feel like home because of the stories that come along with our possessions. And I hope that this podcast episode has given you some inspiration to look around at your belongings with fresh eyes and infuse more heart, soul, and stories into the way you decorate. I want to end by reminding you that you are building a beautiful home for your family, no matter what the structure or aesthetics look like, because you're working to bring the best of yourself to the people that you love. That matters. And as always, I am rooting for you. And I hope that you have a beautiful week with your family. 